0: One Sunday morning, there was a mom who was making pancakes for her two Rambunchka sons, and they began to fight over who would get to eat the first pancake. And so the mom saw this as a teachable moment. And she said, now, boys, don't argue. If Jesus were here, he'd say, let my brother eat the first pancake. And she was impressed when she saw her oldest son's eyes grow large with understanding, as he said to his younger brother, okay, you be Jesus. You don't have to teach children to be selfish, do you? From an early age, we master the art of looking out for number one. Thinking of others and being kind and helpful, these are things that can take a lifetime for us to master. And if we're honest this morning, we'll recognize our own innate tendencies to drift toward self-centeredness, to drift toward an inward focus. And that's true for us as individuals and families and even as churches. That inward drift is something that we always have to resist. You know, like you're swimming against the current. Uh, We have to constantly fight that tendency. Several weeks ago in the I Am series, we talked about how Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And that what He meant is that we have to stay connected with Him. We have to remain in Him if we want His life and His love to flow through us so that we can serve others and help others and share the gospel with others. We do that... As Jesus works through us, we are channels of God's blessings. And that means that the gifts that we give, the talents that we have to serve, it means the gospel that we share, ultimately all come from Him, not from us. We are vessels through whom God speaks and works in the world. And so that means that whenever God speaks to you, it always comes with the expectation that you're going to share His truth with other people. When God forgives you, it comes to the expectation that you are going to forgive other people. When God blesses you, He expects you to pass that blessing on to other people. When God comforts you, He wants you then to turn around and comfort someone else. And that brings us to Paul's words in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It's just two verses. They'll be up there on the screen for you. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, Paul says, "...for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself." Notice here, Paul says, that even God's grace, even the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the spiritual freedom we enjoy, can go to our heads, can swell our egos, can rob us of the very things they were meant to give us. Love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. We we can even take these good gifts of God and twist them for selfish purposes. And that's why why Paul warns us not to use God's freedom and grace for self-indulgence. Not to let that become an inward focus for us. And he tells us the antidote to this problem is is serving others. Service is a gift of grace because it helps us to keep an outward focus. It, it helps us to look up to God in gratitude for all of His generosity toward us and to look toward, to those around us as people whom we can serve in Jesus' name. Both statistics and Scripture tell us that healthy, growing churches are outwardly focused churches. They're churches that are missional. They're evangelistic. They're concerned with reaching out and blessing the community around them. And if that's true of healthy, growing churches, then that's also true of healthy, growing Christians. Amen? When I think of our church, I see a lot of outwardly focused ministry. Operation Christmas Child, we're collecting this week or have been collecting all this week from all the churches and organizations around us and we're going to forward all those boxes on and uh, um, we've got a lot of boxes that we've collected but I'm super excited by the fact that between the Christmas and July focus we did in in July and the boxes that have come in this month, our church has far exceeded our goal of 300 boxes. Let's give God thanks for that. That's more than we brought in, I think, since COVID. So I'm so excited. We have surpassed our goal. That is one way our church keeps an outward focus. Drop through nativity is another example. We had we had several dozen, couple of dozen volunteers yesterday. Those out there helping us to construct those sets and to get ready. And as I said earlier, it takes so many people for our church to put on this event that for many people, we hear year after year the same people come through and they say it's not Christmas till we come through your drive through nativity. We have people that come from towards Atlanta, people that come from out uh, past Aiken, South Carolina, people come from hours away to go through our drive through nativity. It's a blessing to our community. It helps us to share the good news of Jesus with people that are hungry and thirsty to hear that story. Upward basketball. Uh, we'll be starting practices and games here in January. And it takes coaches and assistant coaches and referees and people to, to do uh, you know, the devotionals at game day and to donate things and help with the awards night. And it takes prayer warriors. It takes a lot of people to help us reach boys and girls in this community through something as simple as a basketball. Uh, and Ben told me the other day that we are like at a record. We have 150 something kids signed up for upward basketball. We need coaches. And assistant coaches and referees, that's a way that our church focuses out on others. VBS is another way we do this. We reach hundreds of kids through Vacation Bible School teaching them the truth of God's Word, seeing children come to faith in Jesus, changing families for eternity. And it takes teachers and shepherds and people to help feed and lead games and crafts and music. It takes people to help register these kids and get them where they need to go. It takes a lot of us to make Vacation Bible School happen, but it's worth it. Because there are children who know now their destiny is in heaven. They've passed through the waters of of the baptistry because of Vacation Bible School. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. We've got a Wild Game Supper coming up again. It's been several years since we've done that. This March, we have a Wild Game Supper. We need meat, first of all. We need some game, so be keeping that in mind. Uh, We need cooks. We need people to set up and clean up and do registration and help with follow-up. We have mission trips that we send, youth and college students to Gatlinburg. We've got people that go to Honduras uh, every year. And this coming year, I really want our church to put together a West Virginia team. You know, a lot of people I know say, well, I can't do Honduras. I can't go overseas. I can't afford it. I can't, you know, I'm afraid of airplanes, you know, whatever. Listen, West Virginia, we hop in a bus. We're there in a few hours. We stay at a Christian college up in uh, Bluefield, West Virginia. And it is a wonderful opportunity to feed and to do vacation Bible school and to do construction. It'd be a great mission trip for families to do together. So please be in prayer with me. I want us to take a good group to West Virginia this summer. And maybe that means... You, These mission trips are ways that we as a church focus outward on reaching our neighbors and the nations for Jesus. Christmas presents to foster care children. We're doing that right now in the atrium. Welcome baskets to women who are escaping abuse through safe homes in Augusta, helping feed and clothe people through manna. Our wheelchair ramp ministry. James was telling me we've got 75 aluminum wheelchair ramps out and around our community right now. Isn't that awesome? Seventy-five homes where you've got people that they're not trapped. They can get in and out because of those ramps. And and James and and Stephen head up that ministry and do a great job. James said, he said, I thought we'd be doing good if we had ten ramps. Jesus had better ideas, didn't he? Amen to that. Now, do I think we as a church are doing all that we could possibly do to be outwardly focused? Of course not. There's always room for improvement. But I think we have much to be thankful for. We have much to build on as we continue to be a church of disciple-makers who are reaching the generations, reaching our neighbors and the nations for Jesus. But this morning, I want to take just a few minutes and focus on our individual commitments to serve. You know, serving is something that is a tool. Service is a a spiritual discipline. It's something, it's a gift from God that helps us overcome this natural drift toward an inward focus, this natural tendency we have to be self-centered because we have a choice. We can either be selfish or selfless. We can be self-centered or other-centered. We can be inwardly focused or outwardly focused. We can all be about serve us, or service. It's our choice. So I want us to break down Galatians 5:13 specifically and discover how God gives us the grace to serve. And first, Paul points out our calling. Our calling is to spiritual freedom. Paul's addressing believers, us, those who are called to be free. And so when we talk about serving others as Christians, we're not talking about philanthropy. This isn't about getting in your community service hours. We're talking about something that should flow from the Spirit of Christ living within us. That should be a fruit that is produced in our lives because we are staying connected to Jesus. On down in verse 16, Paul calls it living or walking by the Spirit. And he says in verse 16 that if we are walking by the Spirit, we won't carry out the desires of the flesh. And Jesus is our example for this. Jesus laid down His life for us so we should lay down our lives each other. Jesus forgave us, so we should forgive each other. Jesus came to serve, not be served, and we should follow His example and seek for ways to serve others. So we don't do this out of some misplaced idea that we've got to earn God's favor. Listen, God's grace is His unmerited favor. He gives that freely. We serve because we've already received God's unmerited favor. We serve out of an abundance of God's grace at work in us. We serve because Jesus served. We love because Jesus loved. We give because Jesus gave. We forgive because Jesus forgave. It's all about Jesus. So when we talk about serving, look, we're not ever trying to put a guilt trip on somebody. We don't want you to serve out of guilt. We don't want you to serve out of some idea that this is something you just got to do. It's your duty. We want you to serve because you want to serve freely out of love. We are called to spiritual freedom. But then Paul gives us the challenge. Our challenge, the challenge that we face, is that we tend toward self-centered desires. He says not to use your freedom as an excuse to indulge your fleshly desires. And that's what we tend to do. Even as recipients of God's saving grace, even as people living in spiritual freedom, we are constantly tempted to turn it all inward toward this self-centered entitlement to use our spiritual freedom to indulge our fleshly desires. And we live in a culture that encourages this, that tells us to obey your thirst, to have it your way, to follow your heart, to be your authentic self. Even in church, we're tempted to want to complain when things don't go our way. I know that never happens, right? We never do that. Or we tend to evaluate worship based on how it made me feel, whether I liked it. Did the preacher's sermon Feed me today. We mistakenly think that our time, money, and resources are our own to do with however we please. And we become so busy and consumed with acquiring things that we don't have the time, money, or energy to give very much to God. For many people, they can't even give them a couple of hours out of the weekend to worship, much less hours during the week to serve others. I mean, our lives have so little margin. How how can we possibly give and do more to be on mission for God? How how, how could I ever stop to help someone in need when I've got so many important things to do? I've got schedules to keep. I've got places to go. Certainly some other good Samaritan will step in and do it. Right? We tend toward these self-centered desires, that's the challenge. But then Paul gives us the solution, and that is to serve others out of love. The only way we can overcome that tendency toward an inward focus, a self-centered focus, the only solution is to make ourselves, to develop the spiritual discipline of serving others out of love. And Paul gives us three reasons between this and the passage we'll look at in a minute in Philippians chapter 2. Three reasons why serving others is the solution. First, service brings freedom. It brings freedom. When we adopt an attitude and lifestyle of service, listen, that becomes a great filter that can help us prioritize our lives, right? To to help us simplify and slow down and build some margin into our lives. When we focus on a life of service, it frees you to be able to say no. How many of y'all have a hard time saying no? And, And often what happens is we end up saying yes to good things. But then make us say no to great things. But when you have a life that's oriented towards serving others in love, it acts as a filter that really helps you to say no to those mediocre things, to those things that, yeah, they're good, but they're not the best for us. They're they're not the greatest things that we can do with our time. Service frees us from that. And service frees us from the world's idea of greatness, which brings us to the second thing service brings, and that's humility. You may remember Jesus' disciples were arguing over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And He answered in Matthew 20. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They throw their weight around. They make a big deal of, you know, I'm in charge, that sort of thing. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. Service frees us from the world's ideas of power and greatness and authority. Because Jesus' authority here, He says, your authority and power is not found in a title. It's found in a towel. It's found in washing one another's feet. It's found in being a servant, not waiting to be served. It's not about who serves you, it's about who you are serving. Service brings humility. It brings freedom. And finally, it brings joy. Oh, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about humility a little bit more. Um, uh, There's a quote that I was going to give. So on Wednesday nights, uh, we've been walking through the Bible, right? The past couple of Wednesdays have been in Kings, been in Chronicles. And those of you that have been there, we talked about how even the good kings of Judah, and there were a few good kings in Judah, even they at the end of their life, seem to be tripped up by pride. Pride even brought them down, which is an example for us that even when we're doing good things, even when we're trying to be service-oriented, if we're not careful, we can become prideful. And we can start wanting that applause, that recognition, that pat on the back. We can start saying, hey, I've done this and I've done that. You know, Something ought to be coming toward me. And for all of those kings, that was their downfall. Serving others... As a discipline out of love is a way that we can resist that and we can nurture this humility, which we said we are not, that being humble is, is two things. It's keeping yourself in your right position with God. God's up here. I'm down here, right? All right? I'm not God. He is. But it's also looking at ourselves through God's eyes. So, so being humble isn't about berating yourself and tearing yourself down. It's about seeing yourself properly as God sees you. Richard Foster writes this. Of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Service brings humility, and finally, service brings joy. Because serving others, I think, is one of the best ways to remember that our lives are all about grace. True service is going to flow from our relationship with God, not self-righteous efforts. It's about relationships, not about rewards and results. It's about inward joy, not outward accolades. And when we're focused on giving, doing for others out of love, what we find is that as we pour God's grace into other people's lives, it simply makes room in our heart to receive more grace from God. As we bless others and we give to others, He blesses us, He gives to us. That's how we truly become that channel, that vessel of God's blessing to flow into the lives of other people. I have found that it's genuinely hard to serve out of love and not experience joy and gratitude. And that's why I encourage... Parents, to get your kids involved in service opportunities. Let them go on a mission trip. Take them on a mission trip because it's such a great way to help them develop this genuine sense of gratitude for all the blessings they have and to learn how to focus on other people, not themselves. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes about this joy. In fact, in this short book of Philippians, Paul mentions joy 14 times. And he says here in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, he says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests but rather to the interests of others. And he tells us that when we do this, we are adopting the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Paul says the key to joy is humble, selfless service. And notice here that connection with humility, that connection with freedom. Because we're free, we are to serve, and as we serve, we experience more freedom. And as we serve, we grow in our humility, we experience great joy And gratitude. You know, what if you made a commitment to put others before yourself? What if every morning you prayed, Lord Jesus, as it would please you, send somebody to me today that I can serve? What if that's our prayer every day? What if we could dedicate two hours a week to serving other people? That could be here through the church, you know, helping with the nursery or children's church or upward basketball or, or doing something with your Sunday school class. It could be visiting one of our homebound members, writing cards of encouragement to people you've not seen in a while. It could be going out into our community and volunteering and serving in some of these great organizations we have, packing bags at Manna, being a mentor and reading to kids at one of our schools. Be creative. Maybe God is laying some need on your heart. Maybe He wants you to begin a new ministry in and through our church. I would love to hear about it and how we as a church can come around you and help you engage in that ministry. Get get people involved. Imagine the difference it could make in your Sunday school class, in your family, in our church, if we truly understood the grace to serve that God gives us every day.